Pentagon's deploying 300 more troops to the Mideast as U.S. bases in Iraq and Syria attack, get this, 27 times in the past two weeks, 27 times in two weeks. And we know the Iranian proxies, they've told us already. The 2024 Republican presidential primary field is taking shape. The battle lines are becoming clearer, and so is the field of candidates. Is the odds-on favorites, if you look at the polling, still Trump versus Biden? That seems to be it, but it's just way too early to tell. I'm more angry now, and I'm more committed now than I ever was. Big challenge for these candidates is going to be how do they navigate Donald Trump? And, and how do they navigate Ron DeSantis? You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. Well, fellas, it is terrific to be back here in the Ruthless Variety program. It's good to see you, fellas. Yeah, we missed you. Yeah. I mean, good I, vacation. I wish there was a vacation, <laughs> you dick. <laughs> Somebody's got to pay the bills around here. Pal, uh, we really missed you. The audience missed you. People were writing in. They were wondering where you were, and they're going to be glad to see you back. Very today. kind. Very kind, my good friend John, down at the end. Well, thanks to you, smug. <laughs> Uh, but we've got a good show, and as we do in all those on Thursdays. We have a lot of fun here yeah. on the program. You know, Tuesdays we kind of get through the hard stuff. Yeah. Thursdays I feel like we lighten things up. And uh, there's got to be something to laugh about. The world doesn't seem very funny, but we can do it. Yeah. Yeah. We can get it done. We've got a, a great guest today. You guys did an admirable job interviewing Senator Katie Britt. Yeah. Who will be on the program. Yeah, she's really, really good. I mean, she brought it herself. Like we didn't, we didn't even have to do anything. Like she is one of the most talented new senators that that we've got, and a real treat for folks today. Yeah, and, I mean, she and you know, young, your next generation. It's 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 not often you have a senator in the office, and it's like we're like peers. Yeah, yeah. you know, age wise. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's a big well, deal, especially wild. if you if you want to compare it to like the the where the trajectory of the Democrat Party is, where they're still ruled by, like, Hillary and Biden and these old people, and we've got some, like, fresh and it's a different pers- upstarts. It's a different perspective, right? You know, like, she has young kids. Yeah, totally. You know, her husband's fantastic. Well, oh. this is what I was going to ask about, because I've been dying to meet this guy. I was sorry I missed the interview. I love Katie, don't get me wrong. Yeah, he's but awesome. I was dying to meet this dude because everybody I know has been saying what a great guy he is. You guys got the chance to meet him. He, he, he's a great guy. First thing I, I want to say, Ashbrook, um, I had to throw him a brushback pitch. Why would you do that? The, do you see the size yeah, of him? Yeah, he's 6'8", but he played for the Patriots. And you decided to attack that? I was just wanted to point out that I was a Colts fan, and I hold that against him. Well, the old man oh. took the, the old man... <laughs> And, and I don't want to spoil too much, but the bonus... I have, I have well, principles, okay? When he was like, I, I would never play for the Colts. He was like, I... I no, that that's down. not what he said. He had an opportunity. He said, was, his, was his problem with the city? The yeah, height? he said it's a, a He's small taller. Town. He's taller than all the buildings. <laughs> he is. <laughs> yeah. He actually had a height advantage over the, the central tower. Yeah, it's like King Kong. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he is a big man. And just a great personality. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you've, you've never met anybody you'd rather, like, talk to, spend more time with. And the old man gave him a hard time, and he just didn't even care. Yeah. Nice I'm guy. glad you didn't get beat up. No, he's a nice guy. I'm glad you didn't get beat up. Michael's well, anyways, very lucky. So we've got all that for you to look forward to. Uh, the thing that we're lo- really looking forward to, and it's coming up quick. Yeah. Is that the program is headed to Miami. Yes. Yeah. I mean, first of all, <laughs> like what a dangerous prospect to unleash <laughs> this crew into the city of Miami, which has a reputation. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, it's one of my favorite towns, period. I, I, we were talking about this earlier, you and I, Holmes, of how 
especially as a conservative, being in Miami is amazing because it's a large city mm-hmm. and you don't have to be like, oh, I'm I'm a Republican because like, you know, some BLM guy is going to kick down the door and kill everybody. You say, I'm a Republican and you'll have like 20 Cuban people be like, hell yes, Democrats are socialists. We should get them all. The hell with them. You got you Tony know? Montana vigorously nodding along with you. It's like, I, I would say it's, one, it's like one of the best towns for a conservative period. The beaches are great. The people are wonderful. The food is wonderful. And like conservatives are out there running the show. Yeah. Great town. And and our show there is going to be a blast. And, and uh, the night before, Tuesday the 7th, we have our happy hour. We've got a great venue. I mean, it's 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 going to be a blast. Yes. yes. One thing real quick on that, because I know a couple of people have reached out being like, hey, I don't have all the details yet. Don't worry. If you bought a ticket, we're going to send all that to you. Okay. Yeah. So we'll let you know where the happy it hour is. Out in this in this day and age, mm-hmm. uh, some precautions are required. Yeah. And if you buy the ticket, which, you know, again, it's 10 bucks. <laughs> And you go to the- we forgot to account for inflation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Businessmen, we are not. We are entertainers. We sing, we dance, and we entertain. Yes. Uh, we do not count uh, uh, the pennies, yeah. so to speak. But anyway, when you sign up and you, and, you, and you buy the ticket, what you do is get all of the information yeah. sent directly to you. Uh, it, it limits the amount of, you know. There won't be anyone from Media Matters putting a mic in your face being like, so what do you think of Joe Biden? Yeah, yeah. And we're, I mean, we're heavily fortified no matter what. Yeah. But but uh, suffice it to say, this is going to be a time. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and, and you know, the uh, happy hour is Tuesday, November 7th. And then the pregame uh, for the game day show that we're doing is Wednesday, November 8th. And then immediately afterwards, we have a watch party. This is, I mean, the got a whole best, the whole nine yards. The best like place you could be in Miami yeah. for for this year in 2023. This is the event. If this you, is where you want to be. It, I'll just say this is like a, like I'm, I'm doing the the Donald Trump commentary on our own thing. Yeah, yeah. You know. No, yeah, do it. And if you haven't watched an event with the fellas. That in and of itself is sort of an experience, yeah. Because you're not going to get a staid crowd with right. a lack of commentary. You're going to get an interactive experience. Well, and, and also I know, um, you know, Wolf has put together accoutrement. You know, it's not just the stage and you you stand there and you see us, which I I would hope would be enough. But we have catering. Yeah, we've yeah. got we've got beverages. Well, and that's I mean that should go without saying. I mean, it's nice. It's what we do. Yeah. But usually it's just us having too many beverages. Right. And what I'm saying is you can also have beverages. Yeah, you can be part of the large mob there with us. (laughs) Having too too many beverages. Too many. And what can go wrong with that? Yeah. I can't imagine celebrating uh, Republicans any other way than getting uh, too much to drink. So uh, tickets are at ruthlesspodcast.com. And that's right there on the homepage. No subdomains, nothing. You go right there. No vanity URL. I really goofed on that. I should (laughs) have done one. But yeah, it's just ruthlesspodcast.com. Get your tickets. You know, I've noticed in the wild, by the way, because I've been traveling a bit. Uh huh. I've noticed in the wild several different pieces of merch from people. Really? It's always awesome seeing that. Yeah. And it's been fun to see. And I'll go up and, and talk to them, and they're like, oh my gosh, this is great. It's my favorite. And they'll talk about their. A lot of Fetterman sweatshirts, by the way, because nice. we're getting into the fall season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They love the Senator sweatshirts. 
That's a big one. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a great sweatshirt. It really is. But I think all of all of it's great stuff. So if you haven't checked that out. You should probably check that out. Oh, uh, one, one other thing on that. Um, we have the onesie back in the store. Oh, you put yes. it in? Yeah, we we talked about That's that terrific. on a yeah. five star. That you were gonna. We we're gonna, but it's there. Now you got it. Yeah, we got it. The old man delivers. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I still hold you totally responsible for all of our merch items, by the way, despite <laughs> the fact like, that you have like There was like two stores and two years ago. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, it's about time. Mm-hmm. It's about time, Michael. So I, w- before we get into our five stars, which is the way we start mm-hmm. on Thursdays, I ran across, across a clip, and actually Smug is the one that highlighted this. It's a great clip. Uh, it's a bear, which we've talked a lot about, the rise up. But there appears to be a gentleman of some kind of a foreign descent. Yeah. Let's just play the clip, and then we'll, we'll talk about it here in a second. I mean, that's just magical. Uh, you, you said foreign descent. What, what would you guess? Where would you guess he's from? Russia? Maybe Russia. My guess, yeah, that was my first. Is Eastern it, Europe, for sure, right? This is a, a gentleman, for folks who are, are not on YouTube, you should subscribe to our YouTube so you can see it. This appears to be a gentleman with a clear <laughs> bottle of liquor mm-hmm. in, in their hand, could riding be, a bear. Yeah, th- so my guess was vodka, and uh, the guy is saying something, swaying while riding the bear and hitting the bottle. But here's the thing that gets <laughs> me about that clip, is that the, the, this did not appear to be one of those bears that's like you know, trained to be in the movie. Yeah. Like, it was not happy about the fact that this dude was on it. Like, there was teeth Yeah, bearing, bearing teeth. And it was doing some growling. Yeah. I, I wonder how that ended. I, yeah, I just the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. But you know I what? I mean, the bear could have eaten him. Is it or is him. he dominating? I mean, I don't, I, I, I don't think he's dominating anything. I think the bear could have eaten him and eaten the cameraman. And the only reason that we've seen the video is because the bear chose not to eat the cameraman. So, I, I mean, I know, I, I fully recognize that there's a bear menace, but there's gotta be, it's gotta be fun to be drinking and riding a bear. I just think that'd be a, a but fun I, thing to do. I'm actually surprised. I'm surprised, and I'm a little disappointed in our friend John Ashbrook here. I am too. I figured he was going to actually appreciate the fact that we are now dominating the bear. I I always assumed that John Ashbrook was the vanguard in the war against animals, and here we have someone establishing dominance, absolute dominance. And Ashbrook is telling him about how he needs to be scared of this bear. How can you lead this revolution if you're scared to be... At the battlements, That's because a, a, fi- a fifteen hundred pound bear is not a joke. <laughs> well, he turned it into a joke. That's mankind's victory, right? Well, there. that's what they want you to think, smug. The fifteen hundred like pound he, bear could have eaten that guy, and we didn't know. The Russians answer, aren't putting out. He could answer the media. fourth question, say, "Mano y mano, I could take a bear," and he's telling the truth. I mean, yeah, he humiliated I, the bear, and it's their second instance in as many weeks where we have not only that situation, but we also had. You remember the gentleman who was uh, kicking the bear out of his picnic? Yeah. Yeah. And the bear like kind of took that a swipe at him and he was like, hey, get the hell out of here. And the bear kind of like slunk yeah. off. I feel like we're making progress. That's the thing is I feel like that's the effect of the show. Word is getting out. We're establishing, establishing dominance. Establishing dominance. top of the food chain. Just... And like unless you're Hank and you've come to try to go for the war, yeah. the rest of the bears are like, now's not the time. Now's I, just, the time. I think that people need to maintain a fighting posture. You, can't, you <laughs> cannot just like slough your way into the animal war. 
You can't expect that you're just going to sit on him because a Russian sat on him. You can't expect to push him out of a party because some drunk guy pushed him out of a party. You absolutely have to exert dominance. <laughs> and there is no dominance if the bear is not a rug on your floor. So you go, you go 357 back of the head if Done. you're on that? Every time. Okay. All right. It doesn't, have to be, it doesn't have to be a 357. It just needs to be a rug on the floor so that it can't eat you while you're not looking. Hmm. Okay. All right. Okay. It's going to take a high caliber, I'm just going to say. Uh, all right. Let's get to the five stars. And to do that, we start. With a voice. Okay, this first one comes from Jersey Jonathan. Doesn't include his last name, but we're confident it ends in a vowel. <laughs> oh my God. my God. This is a kind listener. <laughs> Again with attacking Italian. Linguini Nick is coming over the podium. He's upset. Oh, that's unbelievable. And, uh, <laughs> I can't believe you just said that. And, and Jersey Jonathan... Writes, beware of the super bears. This guy is right on topic. Jersey Jonathan writes, as a longtime minion, I have to say this. Five star is long overdue. I've been watching since episode one, and I love it. I came for the politics, but I stayed for the bear news. And in that vein, I want to make sure you all know about a true danger to the human race. There is, in the far north reaches of the wilderness, a super bear being bred. Wow. What? Like Saruman, creating the Urbic High by crossbreeding orcs with the goblin men. So That's to... Urukai, for God's sake. Oh, Urukai. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm... I don't, you guys know this. Stuff. I don't even yeah. Lord of the Rings. You might as well be speaking <clears throat> Swahili. Everyone knows Urukai. Okay. Everyone knows. Nobody everyone knows. knows. What are you everyone talking knows. about? Everyone like, knows Urukai. No offense Th to Jersey This is a great Jonathan. reference. Jersey Jonathan, shout out. Yeah, this is yeah. poetry. Is this is a well-read individual. Okay, oh, I'm sorry. I, I watched. You guys are I, such nerds. Yeah, I watched sports. I didn't know. <laughs> Since 2006, there have been eight recorded instances of polar bears and grizzly bears procreating and creating a fertile offspring. Wow, I As, this is scary. Yeah, this it's is not scary. like meals. This, is, this this guy really knows what he's talking about. He's getting at what I was saying earlier. It's you're likely aware grizzlies and polar bears are the Earth's two largest land predators. But when interbred, the result is a terrifying hybrid, larger and more adaptable to its surroundings than either of its parents. No. A German zoo had a male polar bear mate with a brown bear. Why would they do something like well, that? Well, they're, they're Germans. <laughs> the Germans are coming. <laughs> that explains a lot, honestly. Now Wolf's pissed. Well, I don't have questions. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. The offspring was two hydro daughters, Tips and Taps. In 2017, Tips got loose, presumably presumably to begin the rebellion before she was shot dead. Oh, my goodness. Please let your audience know to be alert for what is soon to be an army bred for a single purpose to destroy the world of men. Wow. And there's a picture here that we'll, we'll need to put up uh, on the YouTubes. Yeah. That uh, that is there it is. Okay, yeah. so this is less bear and more just like a a, a tank. <laughs> it's essentially a tank with ears and fur. That is a terrifying menace yeah. of an animal. Yeah, uh, imagine if look at the claws. If this is audio only for you, and again, you should also watch on YouTube. It's it's like a grizzly bear, but it has the fur hanging more like a polar bear and also has the bone structure of a polar bear 
and the claws of a polar bear. It's basically like it's basically the claws face of a and jaws grizzly. and a battering ram. Yeah, I think what happened that is, would be a hell of a yes. rug, though. I will. Oh I God, will can you imagine be, a gorgeous a centerpiece it'd, to your to your living room? You know, be, I would pay top dollar for that. Yeah. What happened was the Germans saw the Russians riding a brown bear, and they said that's not good enough to defend our country. We need to breed a bigger one to stop the Russians. Yeah. And this is what the Germans are doing. Have you guys ever seen uh, one of those hybrid um, lions and tigers? It's called a liger. Liger, yeah. <laughs> have, but, you, have you seen them? But those things look like they're not very like combat e e effective. You no. know, it's like a, a it's basically like an overweight kind of lion. Yeah. No, I agree with you, Smug. But they are like terrifying to look at. But didn't it, aren't they like? Correct me if I'm wrong. They're a little longer. Yeah. yeah, they look like it's almost like the dachshund of the uh, of the, it's the like, lion community. It, it's like a lion minivan. Yeah. Whereas this this like like grizzly, an extended wheelbase, this grizzly polar bear <laughs> is, is like the V twelve option. Yeah, it looks like peak performance. <laughs> yeah. This is the problem, child, right there. An extended wheelbase, yeah. and of course it's it's German engineering. I mean, that's what we're seeing right here. That's <laughs> we we just can't have it. We just can't have it. All right, uh, Harunks. Okay, we've got a. Uh, this one's from Randall Hunt. The title is Despicable Protests. Randall writes I'm a lifelong Democrat, and to be honest, it was reprehensible to see college age voters rallying in support of Hamas. Mm -hmm. I used to think that your guys' commentary on higher education was wildly partisan. However, seeing the students cheer as the atrocities committed on Israelis were actively happening made me rethink what's going on in the Democrat Party and higher education itself. Thank you, Randall. Mm -hmm. Yep. Thank, Thank you. you. Yep. God, this is all I want in America are people like Randall Hunt who just take the glasses off every once in a while and take a look around and be like, you know, all of my previously conceived notions about X, Y, or Z may not actually be correct. Yeah. It's that's enlightenment right there. It is. Mm -hmm. Even better news here, he says next. I'm an IU graduate. Now here we mm -hmm. go. And you would never have seen something so gross as a pro Hamas rally when I was in school twenty or two thousand three to two thousand seven. It's surreal how brainwashed these young voters are. You might have done a little overlap there. Uh yeah. About uh two years there. Maybe this was a pal. Randall, let's let's DM. You think this, think this guy? Think this guy? What was the who? Who? Hoosiers? Yeah. What was the the bar that you took us to? Kilroy's. Kilroy's. Oh, that's right. I think he went to Kilroy's. I'm sure Randall has been to Kilroy's many times. Kilroy's. Maybe home, Bluebird. Home of the backhander. And uh, and uh, the uh, um, Kirk, uh, Kilroy's on Kirkwood. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Right in sports. I'm yeah. sure he's been to sports. Great yeah. bar. But we've got, I mean, we just have the most incredible listeners, whether it's Randall Hunt, whether it's Jersey Jonathan, or whether it's this next guy that Smug's going to read, we literally have the best audience in the business. I know. This is from The Great TB. Love These Guys is the title. This is short and sweet, and it's so wonderful. Awesome, funny, and insightful. Shout out to Megan Kelly for highlighting this podcast. And again, like we cannot say enough the wonderful things about The Great TB, and also Megan Kelly, like... So many folks, you know, we get these five stars are like, I was listening to Megan Kelly. I saw you guys on there. I hit subscribe. I started listening. And and she is wonderful for that, by the way. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and again, I, I want to highlight on the conservative side, we help each other. Like on the left, they always try to compete. They think it's like we do a zero sum I mean, game on the right. We're like, listen, the more of us, the merrier. It's we, so you know, true. Rising tide lifts all ships. It's so true because, you know, unlike our 
honestly, like our primary politics, what do you expect mm. in a presidential campaign where it's just super contentious and everybody's fighting all the time? In the conservative media landscape, I mean, how many people have we had on here from different conservative pockets? Yep. It seems like infinite number. Yeah. I mean, if you've got one, you want to come on and talk, like we'll talk. We're going to disagree on some things and agree on some things, but the vast majority of it is like pushing the whole movement forward. I love that. Nobody's better at the Megan. Nobody's more inclusive in terms of trying to help people on their yep. way up the Megan. Uh, I mean, we've been a huge beneficiary of that, obviously. Yeah. Um, so thank you, Great TV. All right, Great TV. Thank you. Uh, so who won the week? This is the way, This is what we do. And uh, here's my favorite part about being out last week. Yeah. I was busting balls a little bit over the last couple of weeks, in particular by Duncan and Ashbrook. Who it seems like no matter who either of them choose, they're just castigated. Yeah, right. Like if so, if if, if he says Trump, it's like all the DeSantis people were like, Ashbrook, you're the dumbest motherfucker on the face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't. Yeah, and right. like and like all you know, he says Nikki. <clears throat> Duncan says Nikki, and and like you know, she's obviously risen about ten points in the polls. Like he's acknowledging gravity. Right. And everybody's like, you dumb asshole. Like, you have no idea. You're a sellout and you suck. No, I'm, I'm both a Trump shill and a rhino cuck <laughs> at the same time. It's so, so cool. Which is, I think, the beauty of this segment and why it needs to last in perpetuity. I agree. Yeah. That's my favorite part of this. It's my favorite part, too, because of what everybody jumps ugly on. So I love to start on this end of the table <laughs> because it seems yes. to have. Yes. It seems to have a bigger problem. Let's go, pal. One. Go ahead. So last week I picked Nikki Haley, and Michael and I were of one mind on this because she was rising up, and I think Nikki is still doing a lot of really good work. But there's another candidate who is taking flack from all sides all week, and that's Donald Trump. He was being attacked by the left. He was being attacked by the right. He was being attacked by the legal uh, intelligentsia. However... <laughs> Lawyers, you mean? I would like... I would like... <laughs> People have law degrees? <laughs> I would like to read you a headline from a poll that was taken at the very beginning of this week. The headline, Trump dominates South Carolina GOP primary with Haley a clear but distant second. And let me let me just go on to tell you what the poll says. Also, Fifth, I think before the segment, you have to say this segment brought to you by Chris LaCivita, right? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You have to throw the disclaimer. <laughs> yeah unbelievable Look, i feel it, like that's not, dirty it, pool smug the, the numbers don't lie and let me tell you what they say 53 percent of likely republican primary voters in south carolina called trump their first choice for the 2020 gop presidential nomination 22 percent picked nikki haley uh second so Wait, ha haley is still strong she's at 22 she's at 22 that's ha a hot much higher number is, i missed that poll that's a much higher number she is still strong but Donald Trump, you know, aside from everything people are throwing at him, is still above 50 in a Republican primary this week. Donald Trump is the winner. Okay. Michael. Michael. I am the winner of the week. I feel like... <laughs> <laughs> I knew... I'm the winner I of the week. It. Ladies and gentlemen, I, if you've seen his Twitter account over the last... And please do visit it if you have not. If you've seen it over the last <laughs> seven days... You knew you were going to get some fireworks. I'm the winner of the week. <laughs> None of these candidates are the winner. I am. No, well, I, 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 no, seriously. Please, no, I, I am the winner of the week. I'd like to hear more. Well, like we said earlier, I'm both a Trump shill and a rhino cuck at the same time. I've managed to make everybody angry. Yes. Right. Well, that's a good point. 
Um, I, I made all the DeSantis people angry because I noted objective reality that Nikki Haley gained 10 points in a poll in Iowa, like the gold standard poll of Iowa sure. in the caucus. Yeah. Um, you know, I've pissed off all of the Trump people because I've noted like the guy's been indicted 91 times and I think <laughs> he's in real legal peril. And I think, you know, if he's convicted um, of one of these things, like the Mar-a-Lago docs case, like I have a very hard time thinking he would w- we would win the general election if he was convicted of a felony. Like, I think that's objective reality. And so I've pissed off those people, too. I'm like the only person in conservative media who tells people things they don't want to hear every single day and gets called a grifter. Yeah. <laughs> like, 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 it think, is hard think, to make money off of pissing people off think, all of the think time. Think about a worse fucking business model. Yeah, that's tough. If 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 you tell people You tell the client, here's what I can present to you. Opposite. Everyone will hate you. <laughs> Don't tell people what they want to hear. Tell people what they hate hearing. Yeah. And you're and that makes you a grifter. Yeah. A grifter. Yeah. Most sophisticated underpants gnomes grift operation history, folks. You caught me. If anybody could do it, you can though. Yeah. Michael. And so for that, I am winner of the week. Winner of the week. That's a very <laughs> I hope I hope I hope if you're listening to this and you're mad at me, I hope you hate it and you tweet me. <laughs> <laughs> he will fight though. He fights everyone. The old man fights. So I want to continue and you know, it's connected to exactly what Duncan said. I picked for my win of the week Ron DeSantis because his followers have been ratioing Duncan. <laughs> oh Jesus. Duncan is the- like I mean the way that they've been going after him is really something else. It's really only proof Because it is true ratio. It is proof. Like Duncan is a is, Duncan's a celebrity. It's not easy to ratio <laughs> someone with his following and they've been doing it. Yeah. Which is amazing to see and I have also been on there encouraging it. So I you know I did the, see there's you something on said. that. I thought there was an element of a Benedict Arnold. It's, it, no, it's just it's just getting like super meta, you know, yeah. like where like he's encouraging it, and they don't know it's a bit. No, it's not. And a bit. so then they're like, "Thank you for your support." No, smug. Actually, actually, <laughs> actually, attacking Duncan is good. Yeah, I've right. said it many times. Yeah, the point. Yeah, of, Duncan's the problem. The guy with the facts. The, the, the point of Twitter <laughs> is to get the high score, and you get points by making people mad. And so if you want to hit that high score, go after Duncan. All of his takes where he tries showing you numbers and all this garbage, say, I don't care about polls. Here's- I don't care about your numbers, Duncan. You're wrong. And get him. So, you can't so- separate the listeners of the program from just like the- I'm about to do that. Wild. Yeah. So, okay. so, so let, me, right. let me do that real, real quick. So uh, number one, I have to point out that Smug says that. Since it's- when do we have rebuttals for uh, the winner of the week is Ron DeSantis because I, his people I, are raised showing Duncan. There's I, no rebuttal. I, I won the week, so I get to do whatever I want. <laughs> so number, number one. If you pick yourself, you have carte blanche. If you, I mean, no, if, if you're going to attack another co-host, okay. that co-host has car, carte blanche. Oh, I feel like I feel like that's right. Like d- standard, like debate, standard rules, debate rules. If you, if you have a name invoked. That's yeah. like, uh, I'll allow it. I that's think that's point. fair. That's, okay. yeah, that's good and point. I'm not going to attack you. All I'm saying is the fact that you said it too is pr- a proof point that again I won the week. What I would point out on the DeSantis folks online, mm-hmm. and I have met, I have DM'd, I have interacted on Twitter with probably a hundred of these these folks who I think are really great people. And Many nice, of them and, are and absolutely nice, terrific and nice nice people. But there is a subset of some of these folks who are. How do I put this? Donald Trump came up with the nickname Ron DeSanctimonious, which I thought was probably the dumbest nickname in history. And there's a subset of DeSantis's followers online 
who like go out every day to try to prove it true. <laughs> I don't understand why. I, I, I really don't understand why. And this, because that's not how Ron DeSantis is. That's right. not how his campaign is. This is why I'm telling you, you know, DeSantis supporters, you have to attack Duncan. Keep, keep like, attacking Listen me. to this guy. I'll make you a deal. Every five, a deal. every five tweets of Duncan's ratio, I'll say something good about DeSantis. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I and for, a sm- for a small donation to my Substack page. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, just, I will make that. And, and that's why Ron DeSantis won, because it was so great. Because also, I get to see the behind the scenes of like, I get to text Duncan and be like, you're getting ratioed. It's like, yeah, but like, I'm just speaking the truth. You're getting ratioed. It doesn't matter. The truth is if you get ratioed, you're owned and it's over. <laughs> yeah, so this, is my, this is my, for the, Mark, for the listeners yeah. of the program, mm-hmm. this is like, you all get it because you've listened and you probably listened for a long time and you understand the hilarity of Smug and like the hilarity of the show and that there is some like chaos, yeah. Captain Chaos piece to this where he's like i'm actually not happy until nobody's happy and he and he, and he he puts he puts and i think rightfully so in our current political moment i think smug puts an emphasis on content intuition magic yeah magic yes. i i read these the are cro- guiding principles i read the cross tabs of polls and state facts yeah. and i'm the bad guy that's a horrible idea <laughs> yeah yeah no, no you have expertise that you shouldn't have that uh, don't you shouldn't have that no. okay so my winner of the week mm-hmm. mike pence Oh, Mike Pence. So we've had him on the program a couple of times. I've said loud and clear for everybody that I think he's one of the most decent human beings that Mm -hmm. I have come across. He obviously was an ambitious politician early in his career, carved out a conservative lane, became a admirable vice president and did a lot of incredible things for the Trump administration in that capacity. Decided to run for president because he thought that it was very important that you had somebody from the inside speaking about the things they could have done better. And I think from that standpoint, there was a lot to say. And there was a lot more that still can be said. But Mike Pence got to a point in this campaign where he realized he couldn't win this campaign. Yeah. And once he realized that there, you can't win it, it no longer becomes about him. Hmm. And... I know we all know the people on the Pence campaign. Mm-hmm. We also know he has a whole bunch of consultants and people around him who aren't trying to grift Mike Pence. Yeah. They're not trying to just raise money to try to get in debates, to pay themselves, to do everything else. That it, they're doing they were doing this for the right reasons and if it wasn't their time, if they couldn't get traction within this Republican primary electorate, they thought it was more important, frankly for this country to have a real choice mm. and allow the people who support Mike Pence through and through to go out and give another candidate a choice to have a real competitive election in this primary against Donald Trump. That's what politics is all about when you're looking for leaders. You know, if you're looking for like e-boys, it's different. But if, if you're looking for somebody who actually cares deeply and the reasons that they ran in the first place are pure, that's what you see. And he has my utmost respect mm. because he knew that it would be embarrassing at some level to be the, the first big name to drop out. But that didn't bother him nearly as much as it would sacrificing the ability of this party to have a real debate and a real choice that ultimately people can coalesce around. I love it. I think it's we should have more people like this in the Republican Party. And if Mike Pence isn't your cup of tea... And there are, you know, 
would polls would suggest there's 90 plus percent of you that that's not the case you ought to respect somebody who does it and frankly there is others who i think in the coming months should make similar decisions mm. we've talked to all of them and i think there are a it, there is a component as we run up to the iowa caucus where if you're getting like five percent six percent you're running fourth or fifth ask yourself what your supporters are expecting out of that like what are they doing are they do they want another choice other than donald trump or are they just like ride or die and they're not going to vote at all my guess is that most of the people who are not already in trump camp are looking for something else and i think it's incumbent upon people to make sort of a, a global decision about whether or not they are the right voice at the right time it doesn't end their political career by any stretch of the imagination or their influence or, or it, in fact, it probably expands it because it gives you a platform to talk about issues that should people should be talking about. And, <clears throat> you know, this isn't a campaign against Donald Trump, but it's a campaign to try to figure out whether or not this party can be a unified party next summer to give Joe Biden and Democrats somebody, a party that put up 78 million Americans in 2020. Can you give them a run for your money? And I'll tell you right now, if you got seven, eight candidates in this race, and this is separated entirely by a margin where Donald Trump is and then everybody else, and it's roughly even, mm -hmm. be real tough to try to smush that back together by August. Tougher than usual. Mm -hmm. Because I think in a lot of primaries, these things come together pretty quickly. Given the dynamics that brought us here in the first place, 2020, the aftermath, you know, 2022, what that election looked like, I think it's going to be very difficult to convince a lot of Americans that we are ultimately going to be unified or should be unified unless we have a real full-throated debate where you got the guys in the room, the people in the room, the the front runners and, and Donald Trump all in one room and we can all make a collective decision about who that's going to be. Because until that happens, it's going to be very tough. And I think Mike Pence led the way on that. And so that for that reason, he is my winner of the week. Yeah, I, I want to add one thing. Uh, to that is, you know, we've had him on the show a couple of times. Um, we, we got to see him in Iowa. I have to, every second that, uh, I've spent around him, it's abundantly clear to me that this is a man guided by his faith and how much he feels importance in his family. And I think there's a lot to be said about his character and I admire him for that deeply like this is uh, you know there's lots of folks who say that their their faith is important to them or what but this is a man who it is a cornerstone of how they live and i admire that tremendously in an individual and you know i i think he's remarkable in that sense and i i appreciate him running and i i will always tell folks if they ever ask me about mike pence that he is a remarkable man and i admire how much he cares about faith and family because to me that is the greatest uh, you know, test of an individual's character. Yeah, very well said. All right, so I'm going to switch up the order a little bit. The one thing that I want to talk about, because I think it table sets for the rest of this, is <clears throat> having been out of D.C. here for the last week or so and watching news, reading clips, uh, it's just beyond distressing how much sort of latent anti-Semitism exists mm -hmm that comes thrust into the forefront at moments like this. Like we're all seeing what's happened on college campuses and we're all, 
you know, seeing all of that. But 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 like then you get out of the media, though. Well, we got to hear both sides, and you get out of you know various institutions this sort of soft peddling of support for Israel. And, you know, I had been for years, I've long been a supporter of, of Israel and always understood deeply why that's an important part, not only for Jewish people, but for America and freedom and Western civilization and everything else. But I've, I, I always thought that like the, the, continued discussion about you know wow there's so much anti-semitism was a little overblown in the same way that i thought that continued discussion of like racist america was a little overblown um we saw saw all of this come to the forefront in 2020 on the racial disparities and frankly that only solidified my view that america is not a racist country what I've seen over the last few weeks has totally changed my opinion about the pervasiveness and the sickness that is anti-Semitism across the world. I, and I, dude, I, I've noticed the same thing. And I think the the most uh, the most frustrating thing about it is the way it's institutionalized. Mm. All of us watched in horror over the weekend as this mob of people in Russia stormed an airport because they heard an, an airplane was landing from Tel Aviv and they wanted to pull all the Jews out and they wanted to kill them. And you know how the AP described this mob of killers? It was that they were protesters. It was a protest. You have every single, well not every single, but you have a, a lot of universities around the country that are chock full of people who were rising up to attack Jews. I mean, over the weekend, there were multiple universities where message boards had postings. We're coming to get you Jews. We saw something or in the middle of the week in Harvard where all these like lunatics were holding up these cloths in the face of think, some so Jewish guy. I, I think that's a very important I, incident to highlight. There was this incident at Harvard University where there were a group of students who had those kefias, you know, which typically mark support for Palestine, who physically surrounded a, 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 a kid who was just Jewish. Just they didn't hold a sign that said pro-Israel or, 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 or hold up an Israeli flag just because they were Jewish. They, right. would sur they were surrounding him and shouting, shame, shame, shame. I mean, it's just disgusting. Not letting him walk. It's disgusting. And, it's, and it, it proves that it's not about Israel. It proves yep. that it's not about a two-state solution. It proves that there is like this inherent hatred for people who are Jewish, and it is a big problem, and it is in this country. One thing I, I want to add is, so I'm still completely convinced of the fact that America is not a racist nation whatsoever. I feel deeply and very personally for my family's history here that it is absolutely not a racist country. It's there is no land of opportunity like this country. It's by far the best on earth. Along the lines of what Ashbrook said is, I am troubled by the fact of how racist and horrific, uh, and I, I, I now see this as Marxist mm -hmm. institutions have become, whether it's the you're university right. system. You're right. Um, whether the way that uh, BLM had corporations donating to them yeah. is still absolutely stunning to me. And that you see BLM chapters across this country uh, sending out statements with like 
that parachute graphic to represent the parachute terrorists who came in yeah. and were murdering <clears throat> individuals in Israel. So I think what is critical is exposing that level of rot at these institutions, especially at these universities, which we all had thought were, oh, this is, you know, such a high tier place of education, the Ivy League, this is something to aspire to. But without exception, every one of these Ivy League schools have had example after example of the most disgusting hatred towards people. And it's 100% wrapped and cloaked within this idea of decolonization, right? Where I, I love Duncan putting out that tweet where he was like, uh, how was the Middle East conquered by Islam? Well, that's called colonization, folks. Yeah. And there's one tiny island that exists where the people happen to be Jewish and that seems to be a problem. And, that's the and problem. somehow yeah. that is colonization. That's, a, that's, that's colonization. It's but, a postage stamp Islam, in the middle of an ocean. All, all and of Islam was spread through empire and conquest. Right. I mean, that's just a historical That's fact. a historical fact. And you know what else is a historical fact? And I think this is important for people to realize as we now have, again, people on college campuses who are protesting in support of Hamas. And I think if you hold a student visa and you're a foreigner in this country in one of these institutions and you are supporting a terrorist organization, Get out. I think we should deport you. Yep. Get out. You're gone. I think we should deport you. You know, I don't like, even think, I don't even, I mean, look. I don't, I don't even think that's controversial. I don't think that's controversial. It should not be I, the least. And, and if you, if you read a history book about how Islamism, like how Islamists started, political Islam started, it all started with a cultural exchange program of this guy, Syed Qutb, who came over to Greenlee, Colorado from Egypt. And this is like back in the 1950s, I think. And, you know, uh, it's sort of become a meme and like a, a thing on the left or in some libertarian circles to say, they hate us for our freedoms. Yuck, 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 yuck. They fucking do. They yeah. fucking do hate us for, read Side Cutup in his, in Milestones. Like read, read his reflections on his time living in Colorado. He hates America. Um, he... This is a guy who's like, he's like a fucking incel who, who is, was triggered who, by, by sock hops and uh, black people playing jazz music. Who is, a, a racist. Who is this guy, Michael? Side you, up, yeah. I'll tell you more. I'll tell you more. Side Cutup went back to Egypt, founded the Muslim Brotherhood, okay. became friends with Ayman al-Zawari. I saw Frontline about this. You know, this is legit. You know, who, was, who, who was best friends with, I don't know, this little guy named Osama bin Laden. Yep. And so all of Islamism, like people who say it's okay to kill civilians yeah. who say that civilians are an okay target for terror because they suffer from this thing called jahiliya, which means they, they participate in democracy and capitalism. All of that originated through a cultural exchange program of a guy who came to the United States. Think about that. Think yep. about that. Think yep. about that. So when they when when people say, Oh, they hate us for our freedoms, oh no, they actually hate us, you know, because you know, we got a military base. And they may hate us for that too. They hate us because we support Israel. They also actually do hate our freedoms. They right. actually do hate democracy. The Islamists that are over there hate fucking democracy. The Taliban are drug dealers and pedophiles who rape children. Yeah, they That's do, nice. and 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 they stone women who don't wear the veil. Think about that fucking crazy hypocrisy. Right, right. 
Well, like, or, like, or, or the like queers for Palestine. Like, that's yeah, my that, favorite group. In that's the why world. I say this is, is such a, like a Marxist thing, and especially when I saw that disgusting example on on Harvard, where they surround this kid and they're shouting shame at him. I was like, this is just like uh, you know the Chinese Cultural Revolution, where they're having their like struggle sessions and they're shouting at individuals. These are the same tactics. That's why you see like BLM. You, you you see the like uh, socialists online. All of this is interconnected because they've all they're all under the same banner. Yeah, That's why but, you see queers for Palestine because like they know and they don't care that they're hypocrites. But you've got you've got an American kids of Asian descent who are scoring perfectly on their SATs, getting four being denied entry into these universities, and yet these terrorist cheerleaders are being allowed in. What, yeah, what they're is, not intersecting how well is enough. This, how is that happening? No. Well, that's you just answer well, your own question. Also, Clarence Thomas is getting to work on that when he started getting rid of affirmative action at universities. God bless him for that. Yeah, I mean, look, this also didn't happen yesterday, right? And there is this notion, and you can tell in the press, and I think some of this comes from a lot of people who are 25 years old and they're writing this stuff, that the whole conflict has just emanated here in the last five, six years. And that somehow this is something that we'd overlooked in the grievances of the Palestinian people and whatnot. Like, this has been a constant negotiation amongst what was the PLO mm. and Israelis for decades. I mean, I remember as a young boy watching Yasser Arafat sitting down with Bill Clinton mm -hmm. and and trying to work out differences so that the Palestinian people had access to, you know, basic infrastructure in their area. And they came to agreements from time to time. It always devolved and always became terrible, perhaps not as terrible as we see right now. But, but ju ju just, just to put a finer point on it, Bill Clinton negotiated a two-state solution in Arafat and the PLO did not accept it. They did not. I just want to point that out. And, and also Israel pulled out of Gaza disinterred Jews from uh, burial in Gaza and gave it to the Palestinians and what, what has been done with it since. We've seen. Right. So this is not a, a discussion about the Israeli people oppressing Palestinians for a period of time and just now everybody's come to the recognition that there is a problem and these people have no choice but to fight back. What you saw in early October, October 7th, was... It, the worst of humanity period mm -hmm. it is not a result of anything other than barbarism and there is no other way to handle that than how it's being handled now because that's what they want that's what they want it's the only thing that they respect it's the only way that this can go down i don't know i don't know holmes i i hear that israel is an apartheid state it's and and i would <laughs> i would tell anybody who sincerely believes that to like fly into Ben Gurion and go to Tel Aviv and then take a 10 minute walk down to Jaffa and go meet some of the Arabs who live in Jaffa, the Muslims who live peacefully in Israel. Right. And then go to Gaza and see how many Jews you see. How many Jews do you see in Gaza? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's a real eye opener. Yeah, it is. And it's a, but it's an amazing amount of fact. Also, can I, can I say one thing? I, I'm so ill when I hear this whole claim that the left is pushing of like there's a Gaza genocide happening 
The population of Gaza has gone up by 25% in 10 years. That's not a genocide. Super bad at it if that's what they're trying to do. Yeah. It's like, you know, it doesn't make any is, sense. That's the thing. It's like, a this is just. Super bad at genocide. House of cards of lies. Also, if anybody's sort of familiar with genocide and the term and the verbiage and, and the vocabulary of that, I think the Jewish people are more. Yeah more yeah. in tune with that than anything else. So anyway, where that brings us back in terms of domestic policy is there's a lot of things happening right now about what the United States is going to do. We've seen all of those sort of people in theater, uh, ships in theater. There's a big discussion about what we're going to do from a funding standpoint. The White House warned yesterday, uh, Biden said he would veto a bill proposed by House Republicans to provide assistance for Israel that would be paid for by slashing funds from the IRS. Uh, you recall this IRS funding was part of that Inflation Reduction Act, mm -hmm. that nonsense, where they hired 80,000 new IRS agents, mm -hmm. and there was an appropriation allotted to it, and they offset the Israeli aid yeah. with cutting that. And it's been a look. It's been a hobby horse for Republicans for good reason. Like, there's no reason to expand the IRS. Like, we we already know what's been happening in terms of who the IRS targets. It's certainly not your billionaires. It's it's your average middle class person. And if if you ask your average middle class person what they think about the expansion of the IRS, every single one of them, you know, like Republican Democrat, they're like, ah, I'm not wild about the IRS. So. For the White House to say that they're against this, and for this for the, reason, for this reason, and for the media to say to write it sort of straight, oh, White House is against it. It just it's one more proving point about how easy Democrats have it with the press because like their argument is already made for them by the media. Yeah, there's no question like, oh, well, maybe you know. In Washington, compromise is how things happen. And one thing Democrats should have to give is getting rid of a few of these IRS agents that they like. And one thing Republicans are giving is spending more on some foreign thing that they, they don't necessarily want to do naturally. And then that's where they meet in the middle. The press is like, no, Democrats don't want it. Therefore, it can't happen. Can I break this down, bottom line it? Go right ahead. So I think this is, this, this is a play that works, but you got to pass it. You got to pass it because the Democratic led Senate and the Biden administration at this point will not take this up. It will land in the Senate dead on arrival. But the fact that you pass is it gives you leverage. Mm -hmm. It gives you leverage for getting to where this ultimately needs to get to get some conservative priorities out of it. Let me tell you what that means. The Biden administration is hell bent on getting funds for Israel, getting funds for Ukraine, perhaps some for Taiwan the latter being the third very lower priority in this. But that's what their viewpoint is. And they don't want to offset anything because they just they love deficit spending. They just love it. Republicans have but one serious interest beyond, I mean, there's plenty of Republicans that think, the, I, I would say almost unanimously, Republicans think that Israel should have American aid here. I think there is a... 60-40 split currently about Ukraine. And Taiwan is an open question because we haven't litigated that legislatively lately. I think that's hypothetically a pretty big support level, but, you know, unclear. What Republicans have said beyond a shadow of a doubt for the last eight months is that they need to change this administration's policy forever as it relates to our southern border. 
we need to do something that they cannot refuse to do because they've refused to do anything to secure this country. And we've seen report after report over the last three weeks about people being apprehended, terrorists being apprehended at the southern border with explosive devices, this, that, and the other thing. Mm -hmm. And like, it, apparently this has not, no impact at no. all on the Biden administration. No, and I'm glad you brought this up because we get into it with Katie Britt, who's on the Senate Appropriations Committee, and she talks about what she is demanding from Democrats in the process of negotiating the supplemental. So, it, but it's one thing, and I appreciate that, and it's good to have strong voices like Katie Britt, but, but ultimately what you need to do is leverage all of your power. If House Republicans for some reason fail to pass what they've got there in the Israel aid, you give Democrats all the power to send over a big spending package out of the Senate to the House that basically puts in the position where they have to either like say yes or no to Israeli aid. Yeah, it's an up or down vote. And <laughs> and then we're dealing with weeks. By the way, we've got a government shutdown coming up in a month and a half. And we're and, and because of the situa situation we put ourselves in with getting rid of Kevin McCarthy. Yes. Where we gave away all of our leverage to maybe get some stuff fixed at the border to do the thing last time. This is a very similar sort of situation. It's not only similar, it's exactly the same. This is why Kevin McCarthy got run out of office in the first place by the eight dumbasses is because they handled spending and appropriations in the fashion that I'm describing. Mm -hmm. Now, what Republicans need to figure out how to do is increase as much leverage as they can do. Maybe it's this IRS thing, maybe it's whatever, but they got to get something out of the House. Whatever they get out of the House will then put Senate Democrats in the Biden administration of saying, well, you got to do Ukraine aid. You can scale that back. You can make it accountable. You can provide all kinds of different levers on top of that that, that give you some satisfaction. But if you want to win, what you got to do is figure out how to get the border security stuff in here. And that requires a unified Republican conference. You have exactly one body of Congress. You have a pretty robust, pretty robust minority in the Senate that will protect that piece of it, but you got to have the leverage of one of those two bodies doing it. If they can do it, if they can protect that piece of it, this is going to be a win for Republicans. And I know that there's a whole bunch of like, look, I'm as fiscal con fiscally conservative as it comes. And I, I, I hate the spending process. I think that there's a lot of really good arguments to be made about how Congress has failed the American people by not doing separate appropriations bills throughout a year and doing these big omnibus bills. I think those all those arguments make sense. But what we're talking about here is whether or not you can actually force an administration to do something that they're unwilling to do and have been proven unwilling to do it for two and a half years. And it's actually jeopardizing the American people in the process. We've got fentanyl, we had human trafficking, right. we had open borders, now you have a terrorist threat. Mm. Right. If Republicans can stop that, that is a win so and i totally agree with what you're saying and i just think that defining what a border win is is important because what democrats will say is oh sure we're happy to spend border money in chicago and new york where it's inconvenient for us that now migrants are showing up and and impacting our budgets that we wanted to spend on other things there needs to be what you were saying there needs to be actual change on the border there needs to be an actual wall built there needs to be actual policy change that's enacted that deters people from showing up there needs to be policy change that's enacted that solves this problem of 
the the terrorists who are actually already here right now. Yeah, and this is this is part of sort of what we were talking about with the heritage guy. This is not a situation where you can expect America to go from an open border to the most secure border that we've had in the history of our country in the course of one appropriations bill. Mm -hmm. What you can expect is having one third of this government is a leverage to get ahead in the right direction, whether that's starting restarting construction, whether that's policy changing in terms of like a remain in Mexico, whether that is something that stems the tide here. That's a win. It's not going to be everything, but it's got to be more than money to New York and Chicago. Exactly. Their problems. Exactly. No, and I think, so anyway, I wanted to do that because I think you're going to hear a lot over the next few weeks going back and forth and you're going to read it through the prism of a mainstream media that's like, well, House Republicans have blundered again mm -hmm. by doing, you know, the IRS thing. It's only a blunder if you don't get it over the finish line. If you get over the finish line, your leverage is there to do all of this. If there is a House Republican that is on the no side of this, come on this show. I need to have a conversation with you because it makes absolutely no sense in my view to completely leave yourself defenseless to a Democratic administration and a Democratic House and Senate that want to do nothing on the border and just ship all the money overseas. That's the point. Mm -hmm. anyway. I like it. It's a good point. You're smart. <laughs> <laughs> well you got the I'm facts glad you're back you got the facts and stuff i do i, I, I couldn't the, have done that the legislative uh machinations no i just I make people some... i just make people angry <laughs> that's the easy part <laughs> all right now we have a couple more things before we go to our game pal i know you like you're, I, revving, I like you're raring to go for yeah, the game ready to go we have a couple of things to do here the first thing that we've got to do is uh this Airbnb. It's a house of horrors. Uh, bat infestation <laughs> turns an Airbnb rental into a house of horrors. A suit claims a group of Airbnb guests have claimed that their joyful 50th high school reunion at a party rental in Michigan turned to a Halloween horror movie when they were attacked by a horde of bats. Horde. Distressing renters uh, have filed a civil complaint against Airbnb for negligence for allowing the bat-infested home to be advertised on the platform. So this place, as it turns out, this is not just like a few bats. <laughs> These people had a full colony of bats living in this home. Uh, the woman tried to run out and found the stairwell consumed with bats. Consumed. Having their escape route cut off, the renters ran back into their bedrooms and barricaded inside using windows, sashes, pillows, and towels to cover the doors. But despite their best efforts, bats were still able to invade their rooms through the gaps in the baseboards. Some of the women were struck by flying bats, and others uh, had airborne mammals entangled in their hair. They suffered bites, and they were unable to escape. <laughs> Ultimately, they were unable to escape the bats uh, until the sun rose mm. and the bats went back to their no nocturnal state. So this, uh, in my opinion, I have a couple you know, yes. uh, takes Let's on go. this. Let's go. Number one, if I'm the host who ran this out, I'd be like, I invite you to my Halloween party. This <laughs> is like the coolest Halloween party that ever happened. Like it, it, we were legit like inside of Very a authentic. movie. Yeah. yeah, you think like Bram Stoker did not do anything to the scale that I've pulled off here. And you people complain. Like, what more can I get? Right? 
but I would still sue Airbnb because like the hell with them. I don't know why in this day and age anyone stays at Airbnb. I did. I, I stayed at once. I had uh, a friend who was like, "Oh, you know, I invest in Airbnb. It's a great company. You should give them a shot." I gave him a shot, and the whole time I'm paranoid. I'm like, I'm being, you know, filmed on camera. This is a number of years ago, before it got really downhill. I was like, this is weird. I don't like staying in anyone's home. I trust corporations because they're scared <laughs> of getting sued. You know, when people are scared of being sued, I can trust those people, right? <laughs> so now fast forward to today. Airbnbs essentially are like, you have to do the dishes. You've got to feed my pet. You better wash the sheets. Feed my pet. you got to mow the lawn. And then you pay the $500 cleaning fee. It's like, why would I not stay at a hotel? Like, I have a job. I don't need another one. Like, I'm not going to pay to do a job. I for think somebody. a good Christmas gift for Smug would be a Southwest flight to an Airbnb and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. See, see be, how he comes I, back. I can't think of anything that make me angrier. I like, mean, that is. Look, you've made very good points. I rented a house not too many years ago uh, through one of these platforms. It wasn't Airbnb, but there were spiders around the ceiling. Big spiders on the ceiling, and I was like. What? What? I, that doesn't. Did they charge you the spider fee? They're like extra money because we get some like, spiders. They said they were like, "Oh, we'll send somebody out." And they get this guy with a fucking broom that shows up, <laughs> and he's like whipping the broom around. They're falling out of the couches, and I mean, this is not. They got to do something about this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I. I mean, got to do something. I've about used this. a lot of Airbnbs. Have you? In, in my a, day, it's a wild gamble. No, nah, I mean, like, sometimes you don't have a choice, though, dude. Like, if you're, like, on a golf trip somewhere that's pretty remote, like, and there's not, like, a big hotel. I know how that is. You, you get know. an Airbnb. You just you got a golf trip and shit. <laughs> what do you got? Right. When you need a villa, a mountain villa. No, the I'm not of, talking a mountain. The voice of the grassroots, Duncan. I'm not going to tell you. Sometimes I'm roping <laughs> on a golf <laughs> trip. Dude, Sometimes I, when I need a Nacapoco getaway, and I'm, I'm looking for something with an infinity pool. Frankly, no, the resorts don't have it for me. No, I'm talking about. I'm, I'm, talk, I'm talking about like a cabin in the woods, in like the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Oh, okay. okay? Like, and you're seeing family. I'm not so talking I'm not, okay, gotcha. Acapulco, okay, pal. <laughs> Although the Upper Peninsula of Michigan is just as beautiful as Oklahoma. Yeah, whatever. There's a lot of wonderful things. No, all I'm saying is um, I just think the uh, like it's a market failure in a little bit. Like, I, I love capitalism. Capitalism's awesome. But there needs to be some oversight here. There just has to be. Like, I just think like... Well, interest rates are essentially taking care of it. Because it, like right. all the Airbnbs are getting dumped. The interest rates are at 8%. Like, we are in a renter economy right now. Like, I feel bad... I feel bad for the younger kids who like finally found a way to like build a nest egg and like they can't buy a They're, house because rates are at 8% and you've got these folks with Airbnbs full of fucking bats who are renting okay. them to people and they can't okay. buy a house. It makes me the, feel bad. The, hold on. Okay. Got, hold more, on. Housing is more affordable for bats than our youngsters. We have it. We like, have, this is binomial. We right. have a rebuttal. Right. Exactly. Let's Let's keep the main thing the main thing here. This isn't about like. No, it is. Okay. It is. It always goes back to because they, don't give, they clearly don't give a shit it's about the, the property they own. They're full of bats. This is a problem it's about the bats. Kingdom. This the is idea. about solving the bat no, problem. It's no, not about fixing no, interest, interest no, rates, Jay Powell, no, for crying out loud. No. It's about bats. No, the whole idea of Airbnb was like, hey, I've got this vacation home. I can only go there a few times a year. What? Can I rent it out in the times I'm not there? Okay. So, now so, they become investment assets of people who don't give a shit. Okay. Put, so that many, was the whole point put, of Airbnb. Put it in a white paper. Put it in a white paper. 
paper and no, submit it no, to the I'm heritage. I'm telling you reality, pal. They, no one can afford a fucking house. They, these companies, so many of them, only worked as long as there was like VC funding. Like once they go public and the like, you know, the money spout is gone. Like ever, Uber, that's why you pay twice as much for Uber okay. as the good old days. You know, and like Airbnb, it used to be cheaper than hotel. Now it's like. Twice as much, plus you got to clean. The I think it's a great plus idea. Look, I think Airbnb like, is a great idea. I can't idea. imagine doing that. I think it's I a, do think that the clean the place. I will sooner burn the goddamn building if, down than work for them I for free. If you're somebody who walks into a building with your friends and one of them says our bat problem can be solved by interest rates, Michael, here's your solution. If somebody is says your problem is solved by going to a different place, maybe smug is your solution. Well, you can, you, if you are stuck, a lot of problems. if you are stuck in a building with bats and you need a practical solution to the problem, what I suggest is providing one area of exit for these animals, and then turn on every light in the place you can find because bats hate light and they will fly out into a bag that you put over the egress, and you can throw the bag in the lake. Oh, okay, can, can, and about, then your bad problem What about tennis rackets? I'm offended that it's the problem of the person who rented something. Can okay, we address, why is it their well, problem? Yeah. Well, sometimes, sometimes you can't complain your way into a solution. You can if you you're in a hotel. Okay. Yeah, well, that is true. You know? And also, how are these people like, I couldn't escape, bro? How can you not leave a building? There's windows. There's doors. They were getting bit like by a, the like. What's the rabid size of animals. this bat? Unless the bat is about six five and three hundred pounds, it's not stopping me from leaving a window or a door. Right. You can Good also, luck, you, bat. You can also walk out. But if you if you've already paid for the place and you're like, I'm not leaving. I'm going to kill these bats. There's a way to do what it. What if you got a bat uh, stuck in your beautiful flow? I'd kill it. I mean, like, this is... <laughs> I know you would. The thing is, like, honestly... The bats, the, the bats are a red herring. Clearly, these are just bad owners. These are bad landlords, and Ashbrook wants to let them off the hook. This is thousands of tiny bats. pinatas. This is the best Halloween party ever. You just... The, the, the wheels of justice do not turn fast enough for you to have a good night's they sleep. They do in out. my world. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm world. sure they do. You gotta remember, sure I, I won the week. <laughs> you sure All right, you guys, Are you ready for some good news? Yeah. Always. Huge new red light district erupts in New York City, fueled by arrival of migrant Venezuelan prostitutes. Good God. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> mm. This is according to the Daily Mail. New York City is a huge new red light district thanks to the arrival of hordes of female Venezuelan migrants who are working as prostitutes, Mayor Eric Adams said. Roosevelt Avenue in the Corona neighborhood. Oh, we're providing addresses it's here. It's Queens. You don't want to go there. It's in Queens. It's filled uh, with Venezuelan migrants offering sex services in the open air so-called market of sweethearts, quote unquote. Jeez. Oh, man. Uh, in recent weeks, workers to get that have moniker. been seen walking the streets during the day uh, with many aggressive soliciting, uh, even as children are getting out of school and walking by in their lunch hour. Previously, the Bronx was home to the Big Apple's highest concentration of sex workers for hire. Mayor Adams said Tuesday that the situation is just one of many ways where the migrant crisis is affecting our city. All right, fellas, are we for it or are we against it? So I think, number one, <laughs> for it or against it. The entire story is told when they say it's worse than the Bronx because it's like it's worse than the Bronx, dude. Because usually there's always that line in the sand of like, well, we're not the Bronx, but it's worse than the Bronx. 
I mean, that'll tell you everything in that story alone. It's worse than the Bronx, which is everyone knows. You don't, other than a Yankees game, don't go up there. I love the I love the terminology. An open air sex market. Yeah, I mean, an open air sex market. Like I think about open. I think of closed air sex markets. Yeah, <laughs> like a convention center. I mean, it's like I just don't like. How does it work? Yeah, it seems to me like open air sex market means that they're like just. And also, are like, there tables? Is it like a? Uh, what, is, why are we calling this even like migrants to begin with? This is illegal immigrants have set up prostitution on the street in a community. Because here's the thing: is that Corona area? A while back, it actually used to be like there's houses there. It's not like the rest oh, of New been, York. Oh, you've been there. Oh yeah, I, I well, mean, of are you course. Freak, you we know, we've now seen we've. Yeah. It used to be good restaurants in that part of restaurants. Ah, okay. He reads it for All the right. articles. Restaurants. He reads it for the articles. Take the tram on over. Anyways, it used to be a great place. I one of the reasons I left New York City is because of how horrific conditions have become. Like Queens and Brooklyn used to be okay. You've got kids, you've got family, so you're going to move to a place that you can have either a bigger apartment in Brooklyn or you can have a house in Queens, where. President Trump and his family group, for example. Mm -hmm. Now look what's become of it. You have illegal aliens who have set up an open-air drug market. Fentanyl has flooded the city. There are there there are homeless vets on the streets and in the subways, and there are illegal aliens being put up in hotels, luxury hotels in the Upper West Side. That city has completely lost its like. This is horrific, sad, and shameful because New York City used to be like the Rome of the world. It goes this used back to be like a point of pride for America. That like, look at this. We are a great nation. And now we've got an open air sex market on the streets of the city. It's really gotten that bad. Mm. New York. It's sad. It's horrific. So we, we all it all goes back to what we were talking about before. It's all policy decisions. These are the yep. things that you ought to look like look at if you are a Republican in Congress. Because the Biden administration in September issued temporary legal status to an estimated four hundred and seventy two thousand. Venezuelans who had arrived in the country as of July 31. That was on top of 242,000 who were previously covered under TPS grants in 21 and 22. I'm sure there's thorough vetting. What are they thinking? I mean, we're talking about like almost a million people here. Yeah. It's, they're, they're, I, I'm quite certain that without thorough vetting and but it, it, all the laws of it, immigration. Eric, Eric Adams like wants to get these. Um, illegal immigrants tickets to Hawaii. Right? Yeah, Smug? yeah. He's trying to like. But he's, do you he's think using the old Bloomberg play? Bloomberg used to give homeless people tickets to Miami because he was like they can't get a bus back. Well, which is wild. Like, these they, are like sanctuary cities, but only for prostitutes. But at least <laughs> I'm just, I was gonna say, at least in some other location, they would have the dignity of a closed air market. <laughs> The indignity of open-air prostitution. Dude, inflation has caused housing to get that bad. Yeah. And red lights, are that, that in the headline is misleading because there are, certainly are no lights there in the open air. I mean, energy, everything is too expensive it's, now. It's, it's, it's outrageous. All right, let's play a game here, fellas. We're going to play King of the Hill. If I remember correctly, I am the bailiff, and the Honorable Michael Duncan, the original OG of judges, is presiding. I am. Very handsome. I am. He has it, all of the solutions to Airbnb. It's only appropriate that me, winner of the week, <laughs> again, please tweet at me. Be angry. I am winner of the week, and I'm judge. I hope you're mad. 
I'm changing my winner of the week to Michael Duncan. Thank you. Oh, oh, Don't try to good. curry favor. Yeah. Don't no. try to curry and, and favor. Here's the thing is, I'm an honest man. I think I will always speak the truth. So if you want to ratio Duncan, ratio him. Yeah. And, and I, I'm competing. And honestly, I appreciate that smug. Who do you have today? Because you're our challenger, right? I, I am the challenger, and I have Reed Galen. You have Reed Galen. Wow. We, so this is as is the uh, uh, member of the court without partisanship here and doesn't have to render a decision. Reed Galen is recall is the guy who runs the Lincoln Project. Right. Um, and you have our defending champion, right, Ashbrook? Yeah, and that's Jennifer Brainworms Rubin. Okay. I always love um, when you're playing. It's my favorite time to go ringside. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, your attention, please. It's time for King of the Hill in the blue corner, fighting out of the Lincoln Project. Read it in the Washington Post, Galen! And now, in the red corner, also fighting out of the Washington Post and current champion of the world, Jennifer Brain Worms Rubin. Oh, it's so good. It's been too long. It's been too long. Fantastic. All right. Uh, the champion, if I'm not mistaken, has to preside his uh, in front of the court first. Uh, bailiff, um, please. I will direct this court. Again, I won the week. Okay, well, I can be an asshole here too. If that's if that's the way we <laughs> no, win. I'm, wow. I'm king asshole. Okay, okay. Right. Well, we'll see how this goes. <laughs> what do you you have? You have no power here. He I'm a bailiff. God damn it! I've got a lot of power. Ashbrook, proceed. Um, thank you, Your Honor. Uh, exhibit four, please. Jennifer Brainworms Rubin. Reminder: I will post my work from elsewhere and RT others. But all of my own comments, observations will be at the other place. <laughs> she doesn't say what the other place is, but it sounds like she's leaving Twitter. Mm -hmm. That's sweet so garbage. This could be one yeah, of the That's really what options. you're opening. This could be one of the final opportunities to appreciate the brain worms takes. All right. Can we go on? Can I, my turn? No. Not your turn yet. All right. Well, let me know. I mean, that was garbage, but all right. Um, I'll, I'll, I, my only comment is that. I appreciate because I feel like you're kind of playing to your judge and jury. I appreciate that. Go right ahead, Smug. Uh, Wolf and Nick, could I get number seven from Reed Galen? This is Reed Galen. He says, why do evangelical leaders support Trump? Because they're cut from the same amoral cloth. God has nothing to do with it. Fleecing of the flock is first, last, and always. Oh, I get Reed Galen, who I remind you is a member of the Lincoln Project, Famous for having a pedophile co-founder who was uh, approaching allegedly, 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 allegedly underage men. And if anyone knows fleecing, it's the Lincoln Project. Can, um, I rest my case. Wolf, can you put that tweet back up real quick for me, please? Okay. And it's a quote tweet that says, over the weekend, Christian scam evangelist. Okay. Some random yeah. guy is saying to his people that when you, you don't tithe, you've got a ticking time bomb in your pocket, and that's being quote tweeted by a founder of the Lincoln Project. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> feel like you feel like your man feel like your man may have cut to the quick there. 
Um, hmm. <laughs> um, can I get Ashbrooks back up? Sorry, pal. It was number four. Nick. Number four, yeah. Um, but I think Smug's wrong about he he kind of thought this was a bad tweet. I think, like, like number one, first of all, Jen Rubin has changed her profile name again. 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 It's now Jennifer Truthful, comma. Not neutral. Not neutral. She's, like, very brave. Yeah, brave. Just stunning and brave. <laughs> stunning. Stunning and brave. Well, she'll throw the flag, the Ukrainian-Israeli flag up. She likes the flag. She likes the poster art. But she really, I think what she's done here over the last six months has been incredible from the name itself she's uh, do we have a bailiff or an advocate there aren't a lot of there, double there, check? there aren't this a lot of posters there aren't a lot of posters in this in this game that have utilized the name field on yeah. twitter for for praxis like for for advocacy more than her and i i just wanted to note that because i appreciate it and, and i appreciate in this um uh, that she's like she's saying like I'm leaving, but she's not saying I'm leaving. Mm -hmm. She's it, tweeting to say she's not going to tweet. Yeah, it's it's which is just very funny because most of them will tweet and be like, "This place is so toxic. You can find me at Blue Sky." Instead, she like kind of like boomer posts, like when somebody posts on Facebook and they're like, "I'm having the most horrible day. It's the most awful thing," and they just like want to get a bunch of comments, <laughs> you know, but like they don't tell you the reason why. <laughs> so I appreciate that. I just don't think it can compete with what Smug put up there. Um, unbelievable from Reed. He wins round one. Okay. Excellent. I, uh, that's just good judging. Let's up. go to round two. Smug. Uh, can I get take number six from Reed Galen? This is short, sweet, and simple. Reed Galen links to a New York Times article that says how Trump's verbal slips could weaken his attacks on Biden's age. And Reid says, hashtag Trump is not well. I highly advise the Lincoln Project to try to say that Trump is less capable than Joe Biden, who at this point has not only fallen on stairs multiple times, forgotten where he is, said things from different time periods, and even better, tried to ask where an individual who had already died is. But in the mind of the Lincoln <laughs> poor Jackie, she didn't deserve that. Jackie didn't deserve that. <laughs> Where's Jackie? This is Jackie poor, Jackie Walorski for our listeners. Poor Jackie. Just, poor Jackie didn't deserve that. Who had passed that. away and Joe Biden didn't know where he was. And Where's Jackie? Where's Jackie? <laughs> I mean, that's right. got to be tough when you hit that age and all your friends are dead. So I can sympathize on that. Oh, but like, <laughs> oh my god, unbelievable! Come All on, right. man, smash your exhibit. What do you got? Exhibit number three, please, Nick. The the full exhibit. Okay, so I'm going to read to you from the conservative columnist at the Washington Post, who said she was no longer tweeting. Uh, she tweeted, uh, "My most fascinating conversation yet with Nicole Hannah Jones, who oh is the god. radical left wing Maoist." Uh, who hates America, joins me on Jen Rubin's Green Room to talk about efforts to suppress history, failings on media, and white Christian nationalism. Politicon, listen and follow. So she's no longer tweeting, but she is promoting her 
uh, internet conversation as the conservative columnist at the Washington Post with one of the most <laughs> that, radical liberal voices in our country today. That um, is a different level. But I mean, that's expected. She, like, that's the name of the game. No, that's it's what, expected. No, to that's have, why you picked the Never it's Trumpers. Expected it's expected to have Steve Schmidt. That's this baseline. Is, so, um, Smug's tweet, the hashtag, and all of that. Um, I feel like that's sort of like warmed over. This is what they, they did at the entire 2020 election. It's sort of the Lincoln Project model, you know. Uh, whatever Biden is, they claim that Trump is as well. That sort of thing. What what Ashbrook brought to the table right there is the conservative columnist of the Washington Post having the most radical left-wing ideologue in academia on the podcast to talk about white supremacy. I feel like that's a no-brainer in Ashbrook wins round two. I'd like to add, she's a journal, not an academic. She's a journal at the New York Times. Our judge, this is rigged. Everybody, everybody oh, oh, my God. <laughs> I'm going to restore order. That is outrageous. Okay. Counsel, you'll watch your tongue. Okay. Uh, I, that's, Third that's round. Weird. Okay. Uh, Nick, exhibit one, please. Again, this is the conservative columnist at the Washington Post. Not only uh, has um, conversations with the most radical leftist. In, Hold up. Is this academia, even legit? This is a, a retweet. But this is someone. This is, trash. This is, someone this is a retweet. Said, this isn't even a tweet. Ex excuse me, please. I'll let the, the judge. You should decide. throw him out. Let the judge. We decide, will. Please. We will. We this will have time for objections. We will have time uh, for objections. She said she's no longer tweeting. She said that she's only retweeting. And so she not only carries the most furthest left wing person, she also carries the most partisan Democrats who you can find. And in this case, that is Neera Tandon, someone who has been the subject of much discussion on this program in the past. And Neera Tandon is attacking House Republicans for trying to cut the IRS. And what Neera tweeted was breaking news cbo finds that house republican bill somehow adds 26 billion to the deficit thanks for getting the word out and do you know what the conservative columnist at the washington post did she retweeted it to get the word out for near attendant now i will i will say uh the objection has been heard as a mm -hmm. bailiff i'll also remind the judge he can set new precedent if he should uh desire but we have litigated retweets mm -hmm. in the past. I was subject of such litigation, so I recall it quite clearly. And the retweet itself uh, was admissible. The content of it was not. Mm -hmm. So if I it, may, it, if I may, much like copyright quickly. law, that you have to do like transformation thing, or yeah. else it's just like theft. Bingo. If I may, just quickly, okay. this is someone who says she's not tweeting anymore, and if the content is not admissible, then the the person who she's retweeting near a Tandon is, and so if she's thieving This is just so Tandon, lazy, Ashbrook. Our, reader, our, our listeners are so much better. This is lazy. There aren't that many tweets to choose from because she's only lazy. retweeting partisan Democrats. Found some. This is lazy. This is lazy okay. and weak. All right, let's go. Well, um, we have to. I'm going to withhold judgment yeah, until I hear, hear from the, the other, other side. side. Yeah, that's I want to, great. I want to withhold from, until I hear from the other side. So here's the thing is, I actually appreciate our listeners. <laughs> and I know we have so many longtime listeners who know the deep lore, who understand, because the analysis we provide here is second to none. So they understand the intricate layers of hilarity and irony in this tweet. 
that you've never found on your own. No, I I I found and again like. Can I, I get a bailiff to, 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 to get this guy in order? This is I'm unbelievable. sorry, dishonesty in Michael Duncan's courtroom is not can, acceptable. Again, can I, I, exa- I will restore some order. I am, I am loath to provide too much commentary here for conflict reasons, but I will like to restore order. Can I get Exhibit 8, please? <laughs> Short, sweet, and to the point. I don't need to have a paragraph or, or a whole essay like Ashbrook to have a banger of a tweet. Reed Galen tweets... Boom! Quote retweeting Rick Wilson, who says, Dean Phillips is the worst idea in American campaigns since Sarah Palin. Sounds to me like he's... Here's the beauty of it. Steve Schmidt, former Lincoln Project member, who is now like the arch enemy of these clowns, is the person who put Sarah Palin on that ticket. Yes. I love our listeners so much, I bring them the deep lore that their enormous brains can appreciate. This is what I do for my people. Okay, so uh, first of all, Yes, and I love that you brought that to the table. You actually missed an opportunity in the last round. I didn't point it out. Ashbrook won the round. But in the screenshot in which you showed, Reed Galen actually was following you, and you have not followed him back, <laughs> which I think would have been... I think would have been... He deserves it. It would have been the additional panache that could have given you a two-round knockout. <laughs> So in addition to deep lore, I want to tell you, I see everything, and I, I didn't say that anything. That is next level. Yeah. <laughs> it's really good. Nothing escapes this guy's eyes. That's why the judge is the judge. Is the judge. On, on Ashbrook's uh, retweet, I feel bad for you, pal, mm-hmm. that this happened to you while you had a champion. I had a really good run, and you defeated me, and you did a great job doing it. But I don't think her rules supersede our rules. And our rules are RTs do not count. And for that reason, Smug has won. Thank you. Thank I, you. And can I, can this is so well-deserved. Can I just make an additional point? Okay. The idea that Steve Schmidt is running the, this campaign of the Democrat that's challenging Joe Biden. Dean Phillips, yeah. Dean Phillips. And, and simultaneously, his most vocal opposition is the group that he used to lead yeah is so delicious it's so cool it is unbelievable like these people the, what more do you need to know do you need to know anything else like we all have people that we work with you know you take jobs you go you do different things you maintain relationships or whatever everywhere they've ever gone they create lifelong enemies yeah it's incredible that is such a character issue yeah i think it's sort of like the donner party (laughs) you know like they they tried to take the shortcut to california by by stopping being republicans and and being democrats and and they they ended up eating each other's ass yeah 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 oh yeah yeah well that's a big victory on the note of uh that i think we should go to our interview katie Britt. We're very lucky today to be joined by Senator Katie Britt from Alabama. She came all the way up here and she brought us some gifts. I sure did. You've, uh, <laughs> you've got the classic yellow hammer drink in front of you. This is a game day special in Tuscaloosa. And seeing that we've got a big one this Saturday against LSU, I thought this would be the proper way to kick it off. Oh, it's perfect. It's perfect. I mean, you know the way right to our hearts. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I also figured out since it's been two years since you invited me back on here that Uh-oh. I need to do something a little different to wow. maybe get another invitation before that. Has it already been two years? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, wow. right? Crazy. 
We wow. got to get better about that. <laughs> yeah. what, 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 what's in this? That's a great question. Like I, a, I think it's just magic. Yeah. <laughs> kind of tastes like a little peach-like flavor, maybe. It's incredible. Like it's very good. Yeah. Just a little magic, little game day magic. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming in. You got a book out, and we're, we're excited to talk about that a little thank bit. You. But I know, just on a serious sub- subject, I know you just got back from a big trip to Israel and Saudi Arabia and elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Tell us what you saw and uh, and what you learned while you were there. Um, being on the ground in Israel was, was really surreal. I mean, you land the plane and realize that there is no one else there. I mean, just the isolation in and of itself uh, was startling. You know, we met with a number of people, uh, met with the families of the hostages. Mm. Their stories will rip your heart out. Mm. And when you're listening to those, you know, I sat there as a mom, as a daughter, as a wife, as a sister, and just the unimaginable pain and uncertainty those families are going through um, just reconfirms that we need to be doing every single thing we can to get each and every one of them back. Um, Sitting down with the Israeli government also was just Mm gut-wrenching. You know, the difference in this and other things that we've seen across history is these terrorist war GoPro cameras on their head. Yeah. And so people here that are saying none of this stuff happened, my response to that is, I've seen it. And when you watch them step on someone's head to cut it off, when you watch them pull and rape a woman, when you watch them let their children beg for their parents not to be shot in front of them and then burn families alive, it is absolutely pure evil. And the fact that we as a country cannot just call evil evil Mm -hmm. is probably one of the most concerning things that we've seen come out of all of this. We have to stand firmly with Israel, shoulder to shoulder. We have to stand firmly with the Jewish people. And we have to eradicate Hamas because Mm -hmm. who they are and what they are is evil. And I believe while people of all religions can coexist with peace and prosperity, I do not believe that good can coexist with evil. And I think when you see evil, you have to look it in the eyes and you have to take it down. And that's where we are. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the most depressing things about our country in the year 2023 is like this sort of moral equivalency and, you know, relativism that much of the left in this country is infected with right now, where, you know, terrorists murder a thousand Israelis and you've got, you know, politicians, Democrats in the House, this Rashida Tlaib Mm -hmm. blaming Israel you know, and, and, you know, you got college kids supporting Hamas saying glory to the martyrs. Did you ever think you'd see that in America? I didn't. And it's disgusting and despicable. Um, you know, there really are no words. And these people, I mean, particularly on these college campuses where this is being facilitated by our universities, it must be stopped. Yeah. I mean, I was proud to sign on to Tim Scott's bill to say, you know, enough. We will not allow taxpayer funded dollars go to go to let these people um, encourage genocide. Mm. I mean, it's it's disgusting. Mm. And, um, you know, you wonder, you've seen kind of the edges of our country fray in certain ways, but this is a fundamental crack 
and who we are as a nation. And I believe it is exactly opposite of who we are mm. and what we are and what we stand for. And so I think filling that crack in our foundation is imperative. That's why we have to hit this head on. And I've seen a number, particularly of college kids and others, calling for a ceasefire. And would we have ever allowed a ceasefire after Pearl Harbor or after 9-11? And and y'all, I want you to think about this. This is even different. You know, people compare it to those two things that happened in our nation. And the truth is, is the next day, as awful and terrible as those things were, the one thing different that we got to tell our kids that those people in Israel do not is that the enemy was oceans away. Mm -hmm. The enemy there is next door. And we've seen the brutality. We've seen um, just just the way that they, the, the, the evil that they've approached this with. And those people have to be able to tuck their children in at night and tell them that they are safe. And until Hamas is eradicated, they can't do that. And I also want to say that the people of Gaza will be far better off and have an opportunity for prosperity once Hamas is gone. Mm. Mm. Amen. Um, so I know you're also doing a lot of work on uh, appropriations with the border funding and, and whatnot. Can you tell us about what's going on there? Yeah, so the supplemental that was sent over by um, President Biden for the most part really encourages the continued migration across our border instead of actually stopping it. We've been working diligently. Y'all, we have to make sure we not only um, secure our border, but we have the proper interior enforcement for mm -hmm. those who have broken our laws to to obviously detain and, and to send them back to the country that they came from. Look, we are um, a very compassionate nation. And for those who are truly seeking asylum, um, obviously there is a there, there should be a pathway for that. But what we have here is people abusing that system to the nth degree. And truly, Americans are the ones paying the price, along with um, these people that the drug cartels are moving around. Mm -hmm. You know, I've said under President Biden, uh, it is open season for human traffickers, for drug cartels, and for terrorists. I went to the border three times my first two months in office because I believe that you not only, um, you know, want to read about it and want to hear it, but seeing it with your own eyes is, is different. And what I saw there is Truly, we have a humanitarian crisis, a national security crisis, and it's one that has to be dealt with today, not tomorrow. I mean, I talked with CBP agents, you know, the, the despair in their eyes, they're exhausted, they're, mm -hmm. you know, um, trying to, to obviously stem the flow and, and they've been turned into, in their words, in many ways, paper pushers, yeah. just processing these people, but they would tell you about pulling lifeless bodies of children from the river and a pregnant woman with twins and, you know, talk to a young girl who told me not that she was just that, that when she was a young girl, not that just she was raped at the hands of the drug cartels, but how many times mm. a day she was raped. Mm. And then, you know, you you look at the, the drug traffickers, guys. I mean, mm -hmm. we know fentanyl is a leading cause of death between the ages of 18 and 45 in this nation. So we must do something about it. We know where it's coming from. And that means securing the border. So I think there are a number of things we have to do from a funding perspective, making sure that we influence policy through funding and the funding goes to the right things. And then also change the policies. We need to elevate the asylum standard. You know, we need to make sure that we are creating an opportunity for detention. And, and that 
way these people's claims can be processed and um, properly dealt with. But we look at our ICE agents. We've got, you know, 6,000 ICE agents that are trying to track, you know, over 6 million people. Mm-hmm. We we must do more and finish a border, um, you know, border barrier, both with physical barriers and technological barriers to help. That we need to put back in the Remain in Mexico policy. We need a safe third country policy. You know, there are a number of things that we can be doing, and we have to do them now because when you think about what's happening in Israel mm-hmm. and you think about what we've seen and you know that we have record number of people on the terrorist watch list that are caught at our border. Mm-hmm. We're, we're in the tune of hundreds. And you then know of all the ones we haven't caught. So, you know, there's been 1.5 million known gotaways during Biden's time, which means mm. that we have seen them, but we never touched gloves with them. So we don't know who they are what their intentions are or where they went. And at this day, I think America needs to wake up and put the safety and security of our nation first. Yeah, it's a horrifying thought. And especially as our attention has been just snapped right to watching everything that's happening over in Israel, the thought of Hamas and Hamas sympathizers being here in America as we talk and you watch at these college campuses and everybody is yelling, the, you know, chanting. They're not chanting two-state solution. They're chanting kill the Jews, intifada, from yes. the river to the sea. You know, you know that there's security threats within our country, and that's why I think what you're working on is so important to crack down on these problems before it's too late. Absolutely. And listen, we also have to, we know where the funding for this is coming from. Mm-hmm. We know who is funding and training Hamas, Hezbollah, the Houthis. We know it's Iran. Mm-hmm. And so we also know what we need to do. We need to go back to a maximum pressure posture. Uh, we have the tools. We need to enforce these sanctions. We need to get together with, obviously, our other countries in the G7 and make sure that we really work to close loopholes. We have to dry them up economically um, to, to make sure that we stem the flow of finances headed to these terror organizations. And so we've got to be direct about that. We cannot skirt around the fact that we know that Iran is the largest state sponsor of terrorism across the globe. Mm-hmm. And so let's do our job. And that's obviously peace through strength comes from from making sure that we're not trying to appease uh, the Iranian regime. So I just want to ask you one more thing yeah, on, on this front, because I know that the Biden administration is not allowing uh, Mayorkas to testify, mm-hmm. at least as far as, as I know. I mean, he's, right. they're, they're basically blocking him from going to the Hill to answer questions from you guys as you put this supplemental together. Do you feel like the Biden administration and Democrats um, that you're working with in the Senate are taking the border and security seriously enough? Do you think that you'll be able to convince them to spend more on the border to, to, to change policy so that they can protect people in our country? Look, we have to. Um, but to your point, I am incredibly disappointed and enraged that here we have a supplemental and obviously there are a number of things going on across the globe but we have a crisis at our southern border and that the biden administration wouldn't prioritize that crisis i think says everything that you need to know Mm -hmm. so here today you know we have um a hearing on this we'll have secretary austin secretary blinken but yet no secretary mayorkas and i want you to know how disappointed i was uh when they came in 
front of our subcommittee when Mayorkas did come in front because I asked him, I said, you know, do we have a crisis on the southern border? You'll, he, he absolutely would not crawl, cause it, uh, call it a crisis. And we had stunning. hit numbers of 10,000. We were that week, I mean, at numbers, you know, 7,000, 8,000 uh, coming across our border every single day. And he wouldn't call it a crisis. And here's the deal. When Obama was in office and Secretary Jay Johnson was the Department of you know, Homeland Security um, secretary there, he said that if we had a thousand crossings a day, that that would be a crisis. Mm. And so the fact that we have on average hit, you know, 7,000, 10,000, depending on the week, and Mayorkas won't even call it a crisis when, guess what? Guess who uh, Jay Johnson's uh, deputy was? Exactly. Uh-huh. It was Secretary Mayorkas. Mm. So they're playing politics, and I think the American people are sick of it. I, I'm sick of the conversation about the wall. We know that that barrier helps move people in the right directions. Help that you know we have to have signs of deterrence. Mm -hmm. um, and you know Joe Biden knows walls work, or he wouldn't have built one around his beach house yeah, exactly. in Delaware, <laughs> right? Right. Um, so it's like, let, let's do what we need to to put the, the safety and security of the American people first. I mean, as a mom, um, as, a, as a United States senator, it, it, it's enough's enough. And now's the time. Mm. So over the past week, we saw in New York, Mayor Adams is putting forth a policy of he's willing to offer illegal aliens a free ticket to Hawaii mm. out of New York City. OK. So now you're seeing now that, you know, towns like Chicago, New York, which said that they were sanctuaries right. and, and were for open <laughs> border. Now that they're seeing them. consequences, mm -hmm. they, they, they don't know what to do. Are you seeing any movement among, because unfortunately the Democrats control the Senate. Are you seeing any movement among Senate Democrats, given that now it's apparent to the entire world, even, even to you know, Democrat-leaning cities, what a crisis this is. Look, even if they don't want to admit it, um, everyone has seen the polls, and that's that 23% of America agrees with the way that Biden is handling this border. Mm -hmm. And so if for whatever reason they are turning a blind eye to what's happening in our cities, they're turning a blind eye to the fact that over 330 people a day die of fentanyl poisoning mm -hmm. or the human trafficking that is occurring right here under our watch or uh, the fact that we have known terrorists trying to get in and people everywhere, if they're they're going to turn a blind eye to that, and then the cost um, that that is associated with this, um, I you know I know that they are taking a look and seeing that the American people are are sick of the way this is hand, being handled, and so certainly, I, but this is where I want us as Republicans to use this leverage. Look, we're right on this issue and they are finally having to admit it so now is the time to make sure that we are putting the funding in the right place um, there are things we don't need to continue the migration crisis we need to end it and that um, that we're putting policies in place and that we we use this leverage properly to get policies that will ultimately you know stand the test of time and will protect americans and keep our communities and and really our children safe mm -hmm. So uh, you have a new book out. You wrote a memoir, yes. right? Yes. Well, I, memoir maybe um, that may maybe I don't know, uh, but yeah. You don't think it's up to memoir standards? <laughs> so here's the deal. Well, they came to me after the uh, runoff and. They said, hey, we, you know, the publisher wants you to write a book. I'm like, uh, thanks, but no thanks. You know, I'm 
<laughs> yeah. Then came back to me um, after two two different ones after the general election. Same thing. We want you to you know write a book. Uh, you know some tell all about the election or talk about how you got here. A biography. I'm like mm-hmm. you do realize that like I have 12 Twitter followers. Like, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's it. And I'm I'm fairly confident that like six of them are my family, three are my friends, and the remainder are likely my mother's ghost accounts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like nobody is going to to buy this. So thank you, but no thank you. Appreciate it. But then they came back and um, in the beginning of February, and I had spoken to a school and posted about it, Dunbar Magnet School in Mobile. And it is a school in downtown Mobile, public school, uh, just a really incredible group of kids. And I gave a speech, and I promise you, like, when I walked in there, it was the first time it really hit me. So this is January. This is my very first kind of sort of, like, maiden, you know, um, voyage, you know, into the state <laughs> as a United States senator. And um, I walked into the gym after I'd visited a number of classrooms. And by the way, in their civics class, I got better questions in there, tougher ones, than I got anywhere on the campus oh, wow. trail. Nice. I was like, these kids are prepared. <laughs> um, like, how quick How quick can we get out of here? Wow. <laughs> um, no, but we, we got in there, and I really realized that that the assembly was 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 for me you know I wasn't just joining one they had created it for it and seeing those kids and knowing I ran because I want the unseen to be seen I ran because I want the next generation to be inspired to do more to be more to be better mm-hmm. I, I want people to know what a great state Alabama is I mean y'all we have a great state with great people and we have a great story to tell and elevating someone that is going to fight to make sure that Alabama is a place that my kids want to raise their kids is critically important to me and that we create opportunity because I am a big believer that your zip code shouldn't define your opportunity and Mm. that I am sitting here because the American dream is alive and I want it to be alive for my kids and for theirs. And so walking in there and being able to speak to them about my failures, about things I did wrong, about things I did, you know, should have done, learned, did right, um, and inspiring them that no matter what happens, because I told them, I said, guys, I can promise you one thing, and that is that the world will knock you down, mm. right? But what I want you to promise me is that you will stand back up. And those kids started chanting, I will stand back oh, that's up. Amazing. And they're on their feet. And it was a mega, that's the most popular I've ever been. I got selfie, it was selfie city afterwards. Maybe, like, it, did you pick up any Twitter followers? I, you know, yeah, I should have done a better job pitching that, yeah. so, that I, so that we could have moved from 12 to 15. Here's my handle. It. Here's my handle. Um, but that really, so when they came back, they said, what if you write about that? What if you write about the things you did wrong, the things you've Mm. learned? And yes, you'll have to tell a little bit of your story. So a little bit of a memoir of sorts in order to get that cross. But um, inspiring the next generation and trying, you know, we're talking about what's happening on college campuses, Mm -hmm. right? What we're seeing. Mm -hmm. Guys, we've got to remember who we are as a country. We live in the greatest country on the planet. We have to remember why it was founded and and what principles it was founded on and who we are and whose we are. And inspiring the next generation to lay that type of um, foundation to stand on to me is critically important. So if it can help one one kid out there or one mom who's trying to help one kid, mm-hmm. um, or if it just inspires someone to have a new lease on life, then I'm willing to tell you about all the things that I've done wrong um, in order to help somebody else get it right. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. An inspiring message, especially at a time right now when we're so divided. Um, it's called God Calls Us to Do Hard Things. Mm. That's right. 
Can you? Yeah, is there I, a little anecdote. Is there anything yeah. you get any preview? Well, a funny story in well, there. Listen, there's a number of things. Uh, speaking of being divided, I may divide us by telling you oh, I have God. actually told some of my husband's stories in here. So his time with the Alabama Crimson Tide mm-hmm. and the New England Patriots. Yeah, oh, so tough for me. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> we almost got through the whole interview without without just, without very me. triggering as a Colts fan. <laughs> you know, actually, it ta- we talk in there about potential. Like he had an offer to play with the Colts, and mm. you know, as a as a wife and a, a, a young mom I kind of said I didn't want to be the reason I thought because that he didn't take it the offer but you know I said who can say they blocked for Tom Brady and Peyton Manning yeah right you got to go do that yeah um but ultimately you know he prayed about it and we talked about it and he believed that um it was time to kind of sort of start the next chapter of our life so there are a number of um of things in here and stories about, you know, whether it be college or his time there or just God calling us to do hard things. My daughter and my son were very instrumental in me running for office because, you know, we continued to think, you know, just I I really, I'll be truthful with you. I kept praying about it, praying for Wesley, you know, to kind of guide us in our decision and really thought that um, if I did that, that he would say no. (laughs) <laughs> and um, really wanted God just to let me stay comfortable. I am from a more rural part of the state, and I had a job I thought I would never have. I knew we would both have to resign for our jobs for us to do this. You know, we have kids. I wanted to be able to braid my daughter's hair in the morning before she went to school. Um, lucky for me, I think the good Lord's worked that out. She's in ninth grade now, and so that's not a thing anymore. Yeah. As you, as you well know. <laughs> yeah. um, but my son actually set me down first, and he just said, Mom, you know, you, you got to do this. And wow. um, and he was like, Mom, yeah, you know, and he went through a list of things of why he was very direct he was prepared he made me sit down wow. and like, yeah. you're doing a great job That's yes. awesome. powerpoint presentation hundred <laughs> percent and then my daughter um you know i still kind of was thinking like okay well you know but her you know and and, and okay one thing down but but you know I, I don't know if i can she gosh a week and a half later said mom uh you gotta run and wow. i said what and and she said you gotta run and without telling her, you know, because I, I think you all remember this, I had an opponent who was a sitting congressman who was polling at 65%. Yeah, mm-hmm. not uh, an easy win. Uh-huh. And I was polling, and he had the former president, he had uh, the former president's endorsement at the time. I was polling at two. And you all know, you put your name on the ballot and you get to four. Mm-hmm. So the fact that I could only get to two was really quite <laughs> remarkable, <laughs> but not in a way that inspired confidence. Um, and so, you know, without saying like the chances are so slim, you know, people, you're we're going to have to step away from our job. It's going to be tough. You know, I just said, sweetheart, I, I don't think you understand what a hard thing this would be. Mm. And she quickly looked back to me and said, well, mama. Doesn't God call you to do hard things? Oh, that's great. Wow, that's wow. so good. And wow. So, um, yeah, so I kind of sort of talk a little bit in the book about why that, even that was just kind of sort of the moment of like, okay, um, between both of my children doing that. And, you know, you look, everybody has hard things. Like all of them are different, I think, but we're all called to be in an arena. And while your your arena may be different than mine and someone's listening to this may be, may be different from the person sitting next to this, it is time that we all step up and give and do and inspire and work. Um, because I think every generation was called to do hard things. Mm-hmm. 
And y'all, if this, what's happened in Israel doesn't make it apparent of what our generation's hard thing is, um, I, don't, I don't know what would. And so inspiring that next generation, recommitting ourselves to the foundational principles of freedom and liberty and, um, and this nation in general uh, is, is critically important. So I hope that this book comes at a, at a good time and can inspire some people to, you know, get in the game. We need them. Wow. I'm sold. That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, so if people want to buy the book, where do they go? Yes, you can get it on Amazon. Uh, it'll be local bookstores. Nice. But you can can go there and, and boy, we'd appreciate it. So Awesome. Yeah. Be- before we let you go, we have, you've been on before. So yes. you've, you've gotten our three questions and yes. they were, your answers were just fantastic. So that, <laughs> so we have one more question that okay. we want to throw out at you. Okay. And I'm it, a little nervous. Now, this is the one time during the interview that I that yeah. I may be, you know. It's a serious question. Right? Very, very, okay. very difficult okay. question. Okay. And uh, it has to do with animals. And this is so, a hard. This is a hard thing. This mm, is a hard thing it, to accomplish. Yeah. Good, okay. you, like two years ago, there was this poll that came out that showed what you know people, the biggest animal that people thought they could take out. And in England, it was like a possum or like a pigeon or I something. I thought it was like rat. That. I think it's rat. Maybe rat yeah. was the the thing that people. They don't have a lot of self confidence over no, there. They don't. You know? they okay. Don't. No yeah. zero SEC oh, championships. Zero in England. Zero. Yeah. zero. Got it. it. Got it. And uh, in America, it was like a. I don't even remember what it was. Maybe a, a tiger. Well, we're sort of. Yeah, we're overconfident. Something. Obviously, we're America. Uh, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So our, our but, question. But for we you. do need to get back to that. Like, yeah. actually wanting to be, you know, be the best. I mean, yeah. Americans actually working for something instead of keeping their hand out and like letting someone give them. It's like let's get in there and let's go. Yeah. Let's go. It's like so what, get, what JFK said. Was it JFK said? We go to the moon and other places because these things are hard. Yeah. You know, something like that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We right. need to do hard things. Yeah. So okay, with that sorry. in mind, okay. with that okay. in mind, okay. Katie Britt, what is the biggest animal that you could take out mano a mano? Yes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. Um, and you're, you're not allowed to phone a friend. No, well, actually, I think it, it would be my friend. It would. Uh, yeah. I, I think my husband is the biggest animal I could, I could take out, right? Yeah. Six, eight, three, twenty. Name something bigger. Name something bigger. And I, I, my money's on me. Wow. Let's go. Let's go. Man, what a great answer. <laughs> that is a great answer. What a great answer. I love that. Uh, that might be the best answer we've had. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I, I feel good about it. I feel good about it. So I feel like it'd be interesting, nonetheless. Oh, it'd be, it'd be huge. Well, you'd, sure. you'd, you'd know all of his weaknesses, you know? Exactly. <laughs> right? I'm already thinking. I'm, already, yeah. I'm wondering if we if we want to, like, do it here next time. Just Maybe. We'll go, oh, we got the studio now. We could yeah. actually film that way. You just move this table out. Yeah. You know, we do. This was actually a question in, so they're, you know, doing this kind of sort of get to know of all the freshmen. And this was a question, would Mark Wayne Mullen want to fight Eric Schmidt or Wesley Britt. Wow. So he, <laughs> wow. he had to answer that, right? So that's um what did he, who did he go what with? Did he say? You know, I, I think he I think he may have uh gone with with Wesley for the challenge there. He you I mean, know it's a bit more than a challenge. Ha- yeah. <laughs> it's like a suicide <laughs> <laughs> we we uh, we always have a good time with our with our freshman class, but yeah, yeah. that's that one's come wow. up. That one's come up. Well, it's fantastic, and we can't thank you enough for being with us today. If people want to follow along with you, where do they go? Oh, can you help me with Twitter follow? Yeah, we can. We can do that. <laughs> we know a guy. We know a guy. <laughs> I love it. Yes. No, please follow us um, on, on Twitter and send Senator Katie Britt. And I guess it's S-E-N. Yep. And then mm-hmm. Katie Boyd yeah. Britt, the whole thing. And we have uh, Katie Britt uh, for AL. So got both both accounts. And maybe we can maybe we can get three more. 
you yeah. know, maybe Let's this could be, that would, that would be awesome. But y'all, I really appreciate it. I mean, thank you for the opportunity to be on here. Thank you for the opportunity to lend a voice. It has been an interesting first 10 months in the United States Senate. Um, the Capitol Police still haven't figured out that I'm a senator, but we're working. <laughs> we are working through that. Um, but but sincerely, I am uh, the, obviously the youngest Republican female ever elected to the U.S. Senate and the only Republican female with school age kids. And so being able to lend a voice to what parents are, are saying and doing and struggling with and fighting for across this nation um, is is humbling and is truly an honor. And so we'll keep fighting for that every day. I believe that we are the party of parents and the party of hardworking Americans. And uh, as as we talked earlier, um, I believe we have to do hard things, and that's what I'm here to do. So thank you. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, thank you so much. Thank for you coming. so much, Senator. Thank you all so much. I appreciate you having me. She's a great addition to the Senate. It is so great to have her on the show, and we need to have her back more often and, and uh, soon. Yeah, I'm sorry I missed it. You guys did a great job. She is terrific and a good voice as you said earlier duncan for a younger generation who's looking for some conservatism but perhaps not boomer style yeah i love it fellas did we do it banger i think we did it absolute banger of an episode gentlemen again thank you so much senator katie Britt, and reminder minions let's see you in miami grab those tickets ruthlesspodcast.com so until next time minions keep the faith Hold the line and own the libs. We'll see you on Tuesday. Stay ruthless.